Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Well, I've had a couple crazy days, Brian. As <laughs> yeah. have I. You go first. Uh, we were cooking some gumbo in the kitchen on Sunday, and we walked into the dining room and noticed, whoa, mm -hmm. the floor is a little squishy. And we looked down, and lo and behold, water is coming through the hardwood floor. That's never a good sign. Yeah. And turns out uh, our house is on a slab. And an old pipe broke in the concrete or under the concrete. So it's been an interesting few days. We had the remediation guys out here looking for mold yesterday, tore up our entire dining room and living room floor. Mm -hmm. I've got industrial fans going 24-7 for 72 hours. Awesome. It's like, a, it's like an industrial club. It really is. I didn't have to use my, uh, my dome last night. That's for <laughs> sure. And uh, the biggest dehumidifiers I've ever seen in my life. They're like uh, that square robot from Star Wars that has the legs on it. Right. Yeah, that's been fun. But here's the kicker. They were going to come tear up the kitchen this morning. But turns out, guess what I'm getting for Thanksgiving? Uh, what? Asbestos. Oh, nice. Yeah, fun times. All right. Well, that's horrible. I'm sorry. I, I hope they fix everything soon. Well, I also had a, a fun weekend. Uh, I was out for a... A day with the family on Saturday. We were out having lunch, and then we were going to go over to the Amazon bookstore, which should not be called the Amazon bookstore. It should be called the Amazon half a bookstore because half of it is just electronics and the other half is books. Um, but I was having lunch, and all of a sudden, I felt very cold, yet I was sweating, and all my bones ached. So I was like, huh, well, never a good sign. Never a good sign. And uh, thank God I got that flu shot because apparently I still have the flu. Great. And uh, it got really, really bad Saturday night. Um, so bad that I basically had like fever hallucinations. Uh, my wife swears I went to sleep and I slept most of the night through. But I, my recollection of that evening was me just laying in bed with my eyes open, completely unable to sleep. Um, I probably sweat out... 98% of my body water. Um, <laughs> I was severely dehydrated. Sunday was not much better. Um, when I woke up on Monday morning, I kind of felt somewhat okay. I, I got out of bed after like sleeping for 12 hours and walked out to uh, go get some water because I was feeling particularly de dehydrated. And as I got to the kitchen and my wife was sitting there, I got so dizzy, I fell down and bonked my head. Oh, dear. Uh, she called 911. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, they came and took all the readings and I was okay. And they just said, you know, we have an ambulance here if you want it, but all your readings are fine and you're communicating with me and it's it's good. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just go to urgent care. Uh, so I went to do that, uh, expecting to, you know, get a dose of Tamiflu and all that sort of stuff. But my readings then were, when I got there, were okay as well. 
So I guess kind of the fever and everything broke with uh, my head banging. So it's Gilligan's Island's rule, right? You get hit by a coconut and you're okay again? <laughs> there's your problem. Yeah, there's your problem solved, apparently. Yeah, and so they did a couple tests and all that, and uh, not the flu, some other random virus. So there you go. Oh, man, let's do some follow-up. Uh, we talked about Rev transcribers uh, about getting their pay cut and how everybody's pissed off last week. Well, it turns out they're pissed off about something else, too. They get some really nasty stuff to transcribe from law enforcement officers and the courts and things like that. And there are no warnings on what they're about to actually listen to. And a lot of people, like, here's one that says, I finished more than one file in tears because listening to someone talk about being abused or assaulted is emotionally taxing. And frankly, I have no training or expertise that really helps me cope with it. Well, I mean... Sad but true, but, uh, you know, they're basically just mechanical Turks, right? They're very low-paid employees that have to deal – well, not even employees, sorry. Low-paid contractors that have to deal with the the worst crap on the internet, much like, you know, most of the Philippines and ev everybody that does this job. So there it is. It sucks. Yeah. It's horrible. It, it really does suck. And I think what should happen is the people who are putting up the actual – audio to be transcribed, mm -hmm. I think they should have to put warning labels on them and say, you know, this this may contain possibly sensitive material that, you know, may be disturbing to some people because they know what's on those tapes. Yeah, I, they, they talk about that a little bit in the article. You know, they, they, they basically need to do, define their categories a bit better. You can't just have a legal category that could be a corporate law meeting or a police recording with someone screaming in distress. As they mentioned in the article, they've got to fine tune these things a little bit. They need NSWF tags seriously they Wait, do nsfw nswf nsfw i whatever i was gonna let it slide but as, yeah, after all the I fucking caught... problems we've had this morning i figured that's the least of my worries i'm virus laden and the internet hasn't been working so give me a break here <laughs> so i've been talking a bit in the past about my frustrations with the smart home and particularly you know like things like smart light bulbs and how you can't control them from your switches because they don't know the state that they're in. So the wife and I are in ongoing battles that, you know, wives win. So no more smart lights for me. Uh, there may be a solution coming soon. Uh, Amazon has revealed that it will start to run on devices with as little as one megabyte of memory and a cheap Cortex-M processor. Right now they require at least 100 megabytes of RAM and an ARM Cortex-A processor. So that limited it to smart devices that served as a central hub for things that are controlled by Alexa. Alexa, but that will now change and they're going to run most of it on the cloud and you can expect to see Alexa on all kinds of relatively cheap and dumb devices from light bulbs to toys to potentially light switches and thermostats. That would be kind of nice. That would mean that they will understand state and you'll be able to buy an Amazon Alexa supported light switch, which will work with my Amazon Alexa supported light bulbs. In theory, we shall see. Yes, in theory is the is, is the uh, the point there. But it won't need to do much. That's the a light switch will just need to check the state and act accordingly, right? That's true. Uh, that's true. I guess it's not you don't have the light switches actually listening for Alexa commands. No, it doesn't need to do that at all. It just you know, check state if on don't, you know, don't do anything if off, go ahead. Cool. Well, that's a good thing. Let's talk about the Brave browser for a minute, because I believe you finally did switch over. Is that correct? I did, and it's been working wonderfully for us today. I just not the browser, <laughs> dude. We tried We tried multiple <laughs> things. We even tried Skype, and that didn't work, too. So it's not the browser. Uh, I will say, though, that the sync sucks a lot. 
Yeah, I haven't tried it on mobile yet. So now that I know that, that kind of just, I, uh, there appears to be a, a, a unicorn browser that I'm waiting for. Well, the problem that you have right now is that Apple requires everybody's underlying engine to be Safari. So it doesn't really matter. Right. But I'm talking about from two machines in my house. I got my laptop, right. or two laptops and a desktop. And the sync, every time it like t- starts to talk to each other, I'll have multiple copies of everything for like five minutes. And then it'll shrink back down to one of each. Then it'll bounce back up to multiples and then it'll go back down to one of each. It's annoying as shit. So the sync is the only thing that I found so far that has sucked. And of course, the close tab being on the right. Yeah, I got Used to the close tab on the right again pretty quickly. Yeah, and I'm finally getting used to the browser icon, too. <sighs> I hate it. It's, so it's really ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's so ugly. It's really ugly. In the news. Uber has suffered a major blow on Monday. London Transportation Authorities basically said, nope, no more. We're, gonna, we're not going to extend your taxi operating license because of persistent safety problems. So that is awesome as far as I'm concerned. Sucks for people that really like Uber and getting around London. Well, hey, there's the tube. Shut up, people. The decision will not immediately affect Uber's presence on London streets because, of course, they can appeal the decision as they are, setting off what could be a long legal process and they can continue to operate throughout that time. Uh, Transport for London, which regulates taxi and private hire services in the city, said Uber did not meet the fit and proper standard, so English, needed to hold a taxi license. Uh, They said one main issue was a flaw in Uber's system that let unauthorized drivers sneak onto it. The driver sidestepped rules by colluding with authorized drivers to pick up riders under their account. At least 14,000 trips were conducted by at least 43 drivers using this workaround. This means that all journeys were uninsured and some passenger journeys took place with unlicensed drivers. Uh, This practice known as account spoofing is a challenge for gig economy platforms to police. Uh, This also occurs with food delivery companies as well. Uh, London officials cited other safety deficiencies at Uber, including instances when dismissed or suspended drivers were able to create another account, which is obviously not good. Um, They also found several examples in which drivers do not have the correct insurance. The regulators said that because of the volume of problems, they had lost faith in Uber's ability to improve. Welcome to our world. Seriously. (laughs) Uber said a statement that would operate as normal, uh, which I would define as bad, while it appealed the decision, which it called extraordinary and wrong. Unfit operators cannot get away with deliberately shirking their responsibilities, the mayor of London said. Uber have had 17 months to comply with the conditions of their temporary license, and yet they have continually put Londoners at risk by letting drivers on the road who aren't properly licensed or insured. Here, here. Here, here, sir. And I wonder how Deliveroo handles this. Like if you loan your bike to somebody, do they? (laughs) Is there like some kind of RFID chip in there somewhere that says this is the person on the bike that needs to be Deliverooing? Who knows? But this whole account spoofing thing is a problem. Yes, it is. I never even thought about that before. That's even worse. So whoever, you know, I could just loan you my phone and you could take Mm -hmm. your car out and there you go. Or even borrow my car. And so I could be driving for Uber 24-7. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So that is a loophole that needs to be closed somehow. And Uber's pushback on this stuff is, should not be surprising. It's what they do. It's their com- It's the company's way of, of doing business. So We should be used to this by now, but it's still annoying. It's still annoying. Yes. And we've talked in the past about how we're rapidly becoming a third world country. And uh, that, that uh, definitely came to the forefront during our recent widespread uh, fires that we've had here in California. Um, 
In addition to the devastation caused by the fires, of course, uh, it was uh, compounded by the fact that there was widespread cell phone outages during the fires. Uh, We saw significant interruptions in cell phone service due to the planned power shutoffs at precisely the time the customers needed to be alerted about evacuation warnings or reach out to families and other things uh, to let them know that they're okay or to get help or to get service or anything like that. At one point, Marin County saw 57% of its 280 cell phone towers sites out of service. Other counties also saw major disruptions. This wasn't limited to just cell phones. Some customers who get their landline phone service, what's that, granddad? What's a landline? Oh my God. (laughs) Through their broadband internet service providers saw their phone lines go out despite having their phones charged and equipped with battery backups. Even traditional copper-based landline phones had problems in at least some areas. There are, uh, here we go, everybody, regulation warning, regulation trigger warning, everybody. (laughs) There are no federal or state regulations that mandate cell carriers have any backup power for cell service, says Anna Marie Johnson, program manager with the Public Advocates Office, an independent organization of the California Public Utilities Commission that advocates on behalf of consumers. What this tells us is that the communication network is vulnerable. It's not resilient. The companies were not prepared and requirements must be put in place to require backup power, Johnson said. Consumers rely on the wireless networks to call 911 and they expect those networks to work. Interestingly enough, guess what most other countries have? What do they have, Brian? Regulations that require that cell phone (laughs) towers have at least 48 to 72 hours of backup power on hand at all times. So if the main power goes down... They're running off batteries and your phones work. This is ridiculous. It's getting worse. I mean, I, I live in a third world house right now because my I, I don't have water <laughs> and I haven't had water for a day. But this is kind of stupid. And the fact that the broadband providers went down with, I mean, that's going over cable lines. That shouldn't go down. I, I understand the cell service when they cut the power. But why? I guess the, the cell companies that they're, they're different uh, knocks probably don't have backup power for like, you know, some of the transmission lines, that's really weird. But I do have a problem with them calling, you know, cable-based f- phone service landlines. That's not a yeah, landline. that's not a landline. But the <laughs> the copper-based landlines still had problems, so this is more widespread than you'd think. You know what we all have to do? Everybody go out and buy a ham radio. Right. I'll get right on that. And we're back to that uh, Christian Slater movie, Pump Up the Volume. That does not have legs. Right. Now, I saw this article and I thought it was really interesting, um, how Iran turned off the internet. So 10 years ago, and I do remember when this happened, a Senate bill proposed by uh, Senators John Rockefeller and Olympia Snow uh, spurred considerable controversy. This bill, which never even came up for a vote, would have made it possible for the U.S. government to build an internet kill switch that would allow it to shut off the internet in the event of an emergency. What particular reason they would want to do that for is beyond me and, and everybody else too as well because it got a lot of criticism and they quickly backed off the idea however it's definitely in the playbook for a lot of other countries in the world right now and uh, iran's government has just demonstrated that on november 16th amid widespread political protest most of the country was cut off from the global internet after five days of isolation the government announced thursday that access would be gradually restored they're not the first country to do it you're going to get a list of countries that should not be too surprising uh egypt Sudan, Ethiopia, Russia has plans to test their own in the next year or so. So there you go. It's 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 in the playbook now. NetBlocks, which is an organization that monitors internet shutdowns around the world, estimated that the recent Iranian shutdown took about 24 hours to implement. It's not as easy as just flipping a switch. Cutting off internet access to the outside world isn't that simple. It involves 
isolating connections to the outside internet at a small number of designated transit points within a country, and then either blocking traffic at those points or announcing to outside routers that pass traffic from international servers into the country in question that that traffic can no longer be delivered to the intended recipients. And our devices are dumb enough that they just go, oh, okay, I guess we can't go there, so we won't. See, this is a problem because, I mean, the, think? the internet was built to route around a nuclear war. <laughs> so mm -hmm. apparently as things have gone, they have become very anti, like the anti-fragility of the internet has been, you know, subsumed with everybody trying to put in all of these these kill switches and like you've got china with the great firewall and i'm sure that they can just turn it off at, at a whim if they want to but i'm sure huawei would probably yeah. have a problem with that or not even huawei uh no i'm sorry alibaba would have a problem with that because you know i yeah. think half of china's gdp comes from singles day now and that would be bad <laughs> but yeah this is not good this is definitely not good and this is an interesting one that came over from Ars Technica. Suspect can't be compelled to reveal 64-character password court rules. This is a story that I am of two minds about, but I believe the judges have acted properly here, even though that the, in, the consequences of it actually are kind of scary for this case. But as far as free speech goes, I think this is actually a win. So I'm going to read a bit of this ruling here that was handed down on Wednesday by Justice Deborah Todd. Based upon these cases rendered by the United States Supreme Court regarding the scope of the Fifth Amendment, we conclude that compelling the disclosure of a password to a computer, that is, the act of production, is testimonial. Distilled to its essence, the revealing of a computer password is a verbal communication, not merely a physical act that would be non-testimonial in nature. There is no physical manifestation of a password, unlike a handwriting sample, blood draw, or a voice exemplar. As a passcode is necessarily memorized, one cannot reveal a passcode without revealing the contents of one's mind. Indeed, a password to a computer is, by its nature, intentionally personalized and so unique as to accomplish its intended purpose, keeping information contained therein confidential and insulated from discovery. Here, under United States Supreme Court precedent, we find that the Commonwealth is seeking the electronic equivalent to a combination to a wall safe, the passcode to unlock a pellet's computer. The Commonwealth is seeking the password not as an end, but as a pathway to the files being withheld. As such, the compelled production of the computer's password demands the recall of the contents of the appellant's mind, and the act of production carries with it the implied factual assertions that will be used to incriminate him. Thus, we hold that compelling appellant to reveal a password to a computer is testimonial in nature. We acknowledge that, at times, constitutional privileges are an impediment to the Commonwealth, requiring the Commonwealth to do the heavy lifting, indeed, to shoulder the entire load, in building and bringing a criminal case without a defendant's assistance may be inconvenient and even difficult. Yet, to apply the foregone conclusion rationale in these circumstances would allow the exception to swallow the constitutional privilege. Nevertheless, this constitutional right is firmly grounded in the realization that the privilege, while sometimes a shelter to the guilty, is often a protection of the innocent. Moreover, there are serious questions about applying the foregone conclusion exception to information that manifests through the usage of one's mind. Boom. Love this. I do. Yeah. It, it really is like, okay, look, this is going to make it harder for law enforcement especially when this is a child porn case. But 
you know, sometimes yeah, you have that's to unfortunate. do it. Yeah, that, that really is unfortunate, but um, you have to do the legwork. I have a couple of thoughts about this. Um, first off, I totally agree with this thing. I, I think, you know, you can't let a few bad apples take away everything from the good apples. And that's that's what we would be doing otherwise. They said it just there. A shelter to the guilty is often a protection to the innocent. Boom. I love that. Um, my second thought is, screw you, Border Patrol. I'm taking my phone home. <laughs> and my third thought... <laughs> My third thought is this only applies to passwords. I'm sure this does not apply to biometrics. Nope. So now we're all screwed using our thumbs or our faces. That's right. You have to use a passcode. That's why I use, you a, have to use a password. Six digit passcode on my phone. Yep. So that it's it's it, this is a good ruling, I think. And yes, it does make it harder for law enforcement to do their jobs. And it is sad that this is in a child porn case. But, you know, there are other avenues to get what you need. But yes, it's biometrics are exempt from this. This is, you know, he has to give give him something from his mind. And that's right. where that's <laughs> where the sticky wicket comes in. We got to bring in the mind hunter. <laughs> yeah, that was a good show. I like that show. I watched the first episode. I really enjoyed it. I got to get back to that. Yep. <laughs> and the last article I have here in news is New York City is creating a high-level position to oversee ethics in AI. Mayor Bill de Blasio has issued an executive order creating a position for an algorithms management and policy offer, officer, or AMPO. Whoever holds this position will work within the mayor's office of operations and serve as both an architect for algorithm guidelines and go-to resource for algorithm policy. The person will make sure that city algorithms live up to the principle of equity, fairness, and accountability. The officer will have the help of advisory and steering committees and will respectively draw on appointed public members and city officials to drive the conversation around algorithms. I've been in enough corporate environments to understand that any job that drives the conversation means to get a hefty paycheck for doing nothing <laughs> that's true that's true i do hate <laughs> that the title of this is nyc creates a high level position to oversee ethics in ai no it's in algorithms algorithm management yes. and policy officer nowhere does it say ai in there it says algorithms so in gadget writer stuff it I've gotten so immune to AI being thrown into everything. I just don't care anymore. I know. They, they, the AI has won. <laughs> They've broken me. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people, fueled by their beliefs, can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. 
They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the Creative Strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to gog.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's gog.show slash VPN. Media Candy. 
Brian, I saw a new documentary this week called Hail Satan over on Hulu, and I have to say it was really good. Saw a lot on the social media, so a lot of people have liked it. Yeah, I first heard about it on Penn Sunday School, which surprisingly did not have an episode on Sunday, so I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, I went and watched it because I had nothing to do one night, and it turns out to be really good. And this is not the Church of Satan, the Anton LaVey organization. This is uh, the Temple of, or the Satanic Temple. And it's a completely different organization, and it is a religion without a god, which is really the interesting part about it. They're all about uh, something completely different and, you know, just people's rights. I love it. I really love the the show. I recommend it. Can't, can't they just be atheists and not throw in the Satan bit? No, actually, it's it's much better that they're Satanists because the atheism part does not actually have a lot of the... Uh, the protesting that they're doing and they're going up against different groups because they have to, you have to have a religion to go up against Christianity and some of these things where they're going after, like, you know, when they put the 10 commandments up, they, to, to solidify their point, they want to put up their own statue, right? Which would make sense because it's a competing religion without that religion. You can't do it. Okay. That's the, that's the interesting take on it. And it's just, it's really fun. These guys, they're trolls. They're trolling. Yes, they are. Religions. <laughs> and it's great. It is a ton of fun. I love it. So it's well worth the watch. It's well worth the watch. And the crazy Christians in here that are just going bug nutty about it. Don't get the joke. <laughs> they're not in right. on the joke. Well, they are being trolled, to be fair. Right. But they. But the thing is, they're still not in on the joke. They don't get it. <laughs> if they understood it, then they would come at it with a completely different tack. But they're not. And season seven of Ray Donovan dropped last week. That's been running for seven seasons? Seven fucking seasons. Jesus. The funny thing is, I've never seen it. Oh, I've. Me, I haven't. Well, now I have. I'm on a. I'm on a mission. My roommate and I are binging the entire first six seasons. We're up to like. We're almost done with season two. It's a damn good show. All right. <laughs> Highly recommend it. I mean, it's got it. Well, it's also got Tasha Yar and Data from Star Trek: Next Generation. So you've got that. Oh, really? Yeah. How's it been running for seven seasons? I didn't even know that they were on the show. I have no idea, Brian. I have no idea. All right. And I tried watching Living With Yourself, the sitcom that they put out on Netflix. And yes. I got two and a half episodes in and I tried to watch episode three like three times and I just can't do it. Can't do it. You know what? You know what the theory behind this was? Everybody likes Paul Rudd, right? What could be better than Paul Rudd? Two Paul Rudds. Hey, two Paul Rudds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't work. And that was about it. So I don't think there's much of a show there. No, it's <laughs> I didn't I didn't care for it. the premise is funny, but it could have been like, you know, an hour and a half movie and been done with it. It doesn't need to be a miniseries. So, right. <laughs> and this one I put in here for you, Brian, CBS All Access launches kids programming soon to include Nickelodeon shows because mm -hmm. you were talking about Nick Nickelodeon. And so you. You can get your Discovery and Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, I was looking through this. I was looking through this. Unfortunately, right now, the shows that my, my kid watches are, are, are tacked into the Noggin service, which is tied to Amazon, and they are not scheduled to be part of the new uh, agreements yet. The end of the article says it would make sense for CBS All Access to eventually absorb all of the kids' streaming services, uh, which is where you find all the shows my kid currently watches. But by the time they sort all that shit out, my kid will probably not be watching the shows anymore because it'll take too damn long. <laughs> He'll be on to Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah, at that point. So, uh, you know, CBS 
all access has got me because of Picard, obviously. But uh, again, it's funny because it's really hit the zeitgeist right now. I'm seeing a lot of people posting on, on Facebook and social media going, I've been running the math on doing cable versus subscribing to all these services. There's no winning here. It's more expensive. It's just getting more expensive all the way around. It doesn't matter what direction I go. It's going to be crazy expensive. Did we not predict this seven years ago? I've been screaming about it since the show started. Yeah, uh, we totally <laughs> predicted it. And we're there. So. Thanks a lot, everybody. Oh, man. And uh, good news coming. Sex Education Series 2 will be released on January 17th, 2020. Quite looking forward to this. I haven't seen it yet. I started watching it. Jillian Anderson, man, you will uh, you love it. I know that's what you keep saying, but I haven't I haven't dug in yet. I don't know why, but and boobies. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's got everything that it's, I. It's got everything you want, Jason. It's like Brando, you know. It's like it's got what Jason <laughs> craves. <laughs> so I'll I'll check it out over the break for sure. And Sandman is coming to Netflix. Yes, we know about this, but. Hey, no, fuck you. Go back and go back and read them. They're amazing. And uh, it's been revealed by Neil Gaiman himself that the first season will be 11 episodes and it's going to be preludes and nocturnes and a little bit more. Now, the real interesting thing here is they're going to be updating it for 2019. So, except it's going mm -hmm. to probably come out in 2021. Except it'll be out in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're going to make Morpheus sleep a little longer. So instead of the 80 years, he'll probably be in there for 110 and some things will change, but they're going to update the endless too. So I'm a little scared about that because, you know, don't fuck with death. Death is what made that damn comic. I still have my, no, I don't shit. I don't even have it anymore. I gave all my comics away. Damn. <laughs> I used to have all of them. I had a signed number one. It's all gone. It's all gone. But anyway, I'm looking forward to this and I'm thinking about going back and rereading all the comics since I have the entire anthology on comicsology. It might be fun to go reread them all. But and, and a, one thing I've never done is actually I've never finished it after all these years, 30 fucking what? years. I've never finished it. <laughs> I never wanted wow. to. I, I'm just like, I don't want it to end. So I never finished the last five episodes or uh, issues. You're going to do, you're going to watch all of this, but not watch the last episode. Yeah. That'll probably be it. <laughs> go to the grave, not knowing what happened. Well, I kind of know what happened, but I just, I, I've never really finished it. Never I, been drunk and went to the Wikipedia page and read the ending. Nope. I sure have it. 30 years on. I, do that, I still I do that shit it. all the time. I am at, look, there's some things in life that I, that I stand by and I have never finished this and I have never seen a full episode of friends and I will definitely never see a full episode of friends before I die because fuck that noise. But You're yeah, not missing anything. Oh, I know. I know. I just, I, 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 I got to finish it before the show comes out, I guess. Damn it. Right. There you go. Uh, I found a new podcast this week uh, called Dig Me Out. It's the 90s rock podcast. And uh, I found it because I'm a big fan of Lush, as you know, and, and the, the Lush official account uh, posted that they had done a podcast. What they do is they basically take a classic album from the 90s, alternative rock of any form, and they break it down. They're kind of the, these guys are, are good. You know, they're music files and they, they used to work radio and production and things of that nature. So um, they've set up a Patreon I believe, or something like that. And they they let people vote on what album they're going to do for every episode, which is kind of cool. And they kind of break it down. They talk about what they like and what they didn't. They give a little bit of the history and place it in context of the time and what else was being out at the time. And so far, I mean, you know, you, you enjoy the ones about the bands that you like. 
and and that's kind of it's a pick and choose sort of situation but they've done nirvana's in utero they've done uh curve which is another one of my favorite bands that i think was always underrated um so if you were big into 90s alt rock i suggest checking it out finding a an album or a band that you really liked and listen to that episode and see what you think cool i'll definitely check it out sounds good moron of the week Elon Musk is back in the top spot for Moron of the Week. He didn't listen mm-hmm. to his people who pretty much said to skip the, the Steel Ball demo, but he went and did it anyway. So always listen to your people, Elon. How many times have you and I been in that position? So many. <laughs> so many. When we've told people when they were doing demos, please, for the love of God, don't try this. Don't click on that. Don't click on that because it doesn't work. And they click on it anyway. And then the demo goes to shit. Yep. <laughs> Yes. So here we go. The two theories are that the sledgehammer gag broke the base of the window. And uh, the other one is that they tested it the night before with the ball and they could have introduced micro fractures in the glass. But my takeaway is if you need to break into a Tesla Cybertruck through the window, then just hit it a few extra times and Bob's your uncle. (laughs) And we have a runner up for moron of the week. One of the main actors for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker left their script under their bed, and the cleaning lady found it, passed it off to a friend who then tried to sell it on eBay. And fortunately for for Disney at large there, uh, the person at eBay who saw the, the listing said, hey, that actually looks real. Let me make a phone call. Sure enough, it was, and it was it was returned to Disney before it actually went on sale. And I'm assuming the cleaning lady got fired. I seriously hope so. And here, here's a little statement from J.J. Abrams. One of our actors, I won't say which one, I want to, but I won't, <laughs> left it under their bed and it was found by someone who was cleaning their place. And it was given to someone else who then went to sell it on eBay, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a script that looks legit and they got it back before it sold. Yes. But I love the fact that he says, one of our actors, I won't say which one, but I want to. (laughs) Tells you how pissed (laughs) off he is. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, it's hard to blame the actor for that. What's he supposed to do? He's in his own or he or she or she is in their own home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be a major actor because a lot of the cast only got their lines they didn't even get the other person's lines you know, they, they had to go to a like a secure room to read the whole script i'd be less forgiving if they were staying in a hotel and just left it under the hotel bed that's that's ridiculous you don't do that but it's, it's their own house come on give them a break yeah i know i know i when i worked at paramount the head of my department uh, was flying and he took the mission impossible 2 script with him on a plane and he left it in the seat back left it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was an interesting day <laughs> awesome and third place for more of the week goes to giphy baby yoda memes return as giphy stops pulling content over copyright concerns now the interesting part of this article <laughs> is they they we don't have an answer here is it baby yoda or yoda baby brian i am on the side of baby yoda which side are you on i'm more yoda baby you're wrong why because <laughs> it's baby yoda damn it I don't like Yoda, baby. Well, no, because if it's baby Yoda, then that means it's actually Yoda back, like maybe cloned. But even if it was a clone, I wouldn't refer to it as Yoda. It's a similar species. So we don't, I'm going Yoda, baby. Yoda, baby, do, 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 do. Yoda, baby, do, 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 do. Baby Yoda, do, 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 do. Baby Yoda. We got a new tune. All right. 
Uh, so turns out that uh, Giffy pulled a bunch of gifts of Baby Yoda slash Yoda Baby, and D- Disney was like, "We didn't ask for that." Why would they? Are you kidding? The amount of promotion they were getting for people to go sign up for the service? Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're like, that's uh, not us. So Giffy came out and says, we apologize to both Disney and Vulture, because Vulture is where this whole thing started. They had a bunch of them. They were pulled for any inconvenience. And we are happy to report that the gifts are once again live on Giffy. And I love how this article ends. It says, it's the latest example of the overwhelming sensitivity and general joylessness that surrounds intellectual property and copyright in the age of corporate branding Uber well, that actually that that line stands true for a lot of things, but actually not here because the corporation didn't actually ask them to remove them. Yeah, that's exactly the problem here. And yeah, I mean, you search Giphy and they didn't pull the aforementioned friends. There's a gazillion friends memes on there and animations. There's a gazillion of everything on there. Why why focus on one, especially when the corporation didn't even want you to do it? Yeah, somebody pulled the trigger too early. Somebody doesn't like Baby Yoda. Yoda Baby. He came around to my way of thinking. You came around to mine. We switched again. Woohoo! <laughs> Feedback loop. We've got some new Patreon subscribers, Jason and William. And over at PayPal, we've got Tom, Steve, Joseph, Mark, Gabriel, Anoop. And Anoop says, fuck the whiny guy complaining about the ads. And Matt V says, fuck that one-star reviewer. You guys rule. Love the show. Don't let idiots like that guy get to you. Keep on grumping. We shall. And Noah says, I love the show. Thank you. No, Noah, thank you. And thank you all who donated through PayPal or Patreon because Papa needs a brand new kitchen right now. And that really, really helps. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you all so much. Over on Twitter, Sam writes in, been trying out Brave Browser at your recommendation, and so far, mostly like it. You're right about the lion icon throwing me off, however. Yep, I'm with you, bro. Yeah, Sam, you get used to it. Well, can't we change the... We can change the icon, right? I don't know. We don't have ResEdit anymore. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But if we make... I don't know. If, we make, if you make a, a clone or a, a shortcut to it, you can change the shortcut icon. Oh, good call. Good right? call. There you yeah, go. Yeah, because I, I think if we change the actual icon on the app itself, it'll just change back anytime it updates. It'll change back. So what you do is you put a shortcut link on your, on your bar and you change that icon. Ah, good call. Look at you, Brian. Hacking it up. Always thinking. Mr. Dom writes in, Hey, Grumps, how do you make the Brave browser or any Chromium-based browser scroll as smoothly as Firefox on Mac OS? Mine scrolls fairly smoothly. I have no problems with smooth scrolling, as it were. I mean, I just set smooth scrolling in my mouse and it works fine. Yeah, same here. I, I don't really notice. Well, I actually haven't launched Firefox in ages, but from memory, it doesn't seem any different. Uh, Chad writes, you guys realize that middle mouse button to close tabs works for all browsers, right? Bonus tip, if you close a tab by accident, just control shift T and it'll reopen. Finally, if you middle mouse button click on a link, it will open in a new tab. It's life changing if you aren't aware of the features. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, that control shift T does not work in brave <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's browser specific and also, uh, I, yeah, that might be opera specific, but, uh, Mouse buttons, middle mouse button. No, it's a scroll wheel. I've, I I turn off the click on that because of other things. So, yeah, I think this is a very specific use case. <laughs> Fabian writes in your VPN provider of choice, private internet access. Go to gog.show/vpn if you want to check that out. Was recently bought by Cape.com, previously called Crossrider, and known for distributing malware/slash adware. Does this change your view on them, and will you stop advertising for them as PIA cannot be trusted anymore? Well. 
Until they're caught and convicted of doing something wrong with PIA's service, I plan on promoting and using them. If they're ever caught doing something nefarious to the users, then we'll revisit. But as of now, they're the best option, in my opinion. And, you know, these things happened in the past, and I'm sure that they have been rectified and remedied from the the cross rider slash cape side because you know it has come out in the public that they did some dumb things in the past there have been some dumb things done at PIA in the past but from everything that i know about all the different vpns i'm still sticking with private internet access it works for me and uh everybody else that's tried it so far so good not worried about the corporate overlord screwing up the service at this point but we'll keep an eye on it David writes in, worth noting that Google Home seems more common than Alexa in Australia, mostly due to being first mover here. However, lots of Google Homes for sale secondhand as people buy them and don't use them. Yeah, I got a bag full of Alexas from Jason. Right Film, Sleep, Repeat, and Shane writes in, you were humming Herbie Hancock's Rocket. I was. Thank you for that. As soon as you uh, guys sent that to me, I went, oh yeah, that's what I was doing. Third in Command sends in a link from uh, Sky News. Hyper-realistic masks fool a fifth of people, say researchers. In the study, 240 people in Japan and the UK looked at a pair of photos to try to spot which showed a face and which showed a mask. They were fooled in a fifth of cases. Dr. Rob Jenkins from the psychology department at University of York said, The real-world error rate is likely to be much higher because many people may not even be aware hyper-realistic masks exist and are unlikely to be looking out for them. These are pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, w- I can't wait for somebody to use their iPhone and post a complete remake of a uh, face off on YouTube. Ah, face off. <laughs> I worked on that movie. That's a, you, was a I fun movie. I worked on that movie and I got to go meet John Woo and hung out with him in his trailer with my ex-girlfriend, Missy, and our mutual ex-friend, Jeff Koga. And we did an interview with John Woo and he signed, uh, what was that horrible movie he did with, uh, John Travolta and Christian Slater? About the uh, oh, the train broken arrow, with the missile, broken arrow. Yeah, there you Bro- go. yeah, right. yeah. He signed a broken arrow laser disc for me and gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Face Off was a great movie. I love that thing. Jeff writes in. Here's what it looks like when you buy something on the Wish app and it tries to ship from China. Maybe I'll get it sometime in the next thirty days. And this is a link to Twitter with his his shipping status. So that'll be in the show notes. Well worth checking out. Very funny. Soto writes in. Nailed it with the smart home stuff. My apartment is outfitted with HomeKit, but it's set up in a practice way. Schedules scheduled scenes such as lights, blinds, heaters, etc. Come on with my alarm. Smart lock for control away from home. Smoke detector that notifies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when it's used as a lazy remote control while on the couch is where it usually fails. It's faster to pick up the remote and do what I want physically. Scheduling and remote access away from home is where these brands should be focusing. Practical scenarios. Eh, okay. I'd like them to fix the lazy couch scenario, though. Yeah, that's the main scenario that you want. Mm-hmm. Loke writes in, so glad you guys realized that search is dead. I thought I was the only one. It's been this way quite some time. It's all these SEO companies and advertisements. So annoying. I was doing searches on Amazon the other day because I needed to get some new tripods and cables and stuff. And I looked at the search results. There are 20 results in a page. Five of them were sponsored results. But you know what Amazon's doing now? Sprinkling in sponsored results in various locations throughout the regular results. You have to look for it to realize that they're sponsored results. Bullshit. I call bullshit on that. It is bullshit. That's what I was saying. Yes, I agree with you. Moss (laughs) 6502. Moss 6502 also agrees. He says, I agree with Brian. I would pay for unfucked with search results. It's super annoying even inside Amazon. It takes a long time to find what I want. Search is dead. Yes, it is. 
And over at GOG.show, Anonymous Jackass writes in, Sorry for the outburst, guys. Heard my comment called out in episode 395. I hold you to very, very, very high standards. You're the best podcast out there. When you screw up, it ticks me the wrong way and I take personal offense and hence the not smart comment. Rock on. Well, apology accepted. I I guess we're like really good baseball players that like don't get a hit and then get beers thrown at them when they're in the outfield now. I guess so. I guess so. Well, thanks, Anonymous Jackass, for clearing that that up. Thank you. And Peter writes in, yes, please do a hypocrite of the week section. Well, if we keep finding them, we will. Yeah, we we need source material for that. (laughs) CQDX writes in, have you guys ever used IPTV? The FBI just took down a major player. And I've listened to you complain about the price of cable and the price creep over time. I've had the same experience with Xfinity. We were paying almost $200 a month for internet and TV for three sets in our house. So we tried an experiment. We canceled our TV subscription and unhooked the the three cable boxes, took them back to the Xfinity store a half hour away and tried IPTV. Gears TV was by far the best provider at $35 a month for two devices. I got to try it for a full month before the FBI raid (laughs) and paid my bill for the next month the day before. Goodbye money. There are about a dozen IPTV options and I've tried them all. And let me tell you, after a week of trying every service out there, they all suck. We drove back to the Xfinity store and are now back on cable on our main TV in the living room. But I continue to experiment with IPTV and I am currently trying out Beast TV. And so far, it's not too bad at $15 a month. Stay grumpy. Well, Beast TV will be next on the FBI's most wanted list That's, because IPTV that is, the problem. is just illegal. <laughs> yeah. It's illegal. Absolutely 100% illegal. Yes, it's all, they're all illegal. That's the problem. That's why they're so cheap and you know, you're just going to get screwed. We're we're stuck in a bad situation here, everyone, but it is what it is. Bob writes in, good day again, Grumps. I have a question that you might be able to shed some light on for me. I was listening to Papa Bittner on his Hacking Humans podcast. Good stuff, by the way, Dave. And they were talking about juice jacking and how your data can be stolen by using charging points or cables that have been tampered with. I remember a while back you guys did stories on U.S. Border Force and the issues they had getting people to unlock their phones so they could go through them. Could you guys enlighten to me as to why they couldn't have just used these bad cables etc. to access the phones without permission of the owners. Would it be a privacy issue or something? I can't see the difference if they are going to make you open the phone anyway. Thanks, guys, and keep crumping. Um, Forcing you to open the phone or forcing you to plug it into an unknown cable, probably about the same degree of of an offense. Like, they can't force you to charge your phone. No, but they can borrow your phone and take it and plug it in. But, I mean, they've already got devices from that, you know... That's that's kind of what they they do. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. If that's really I don't think the cables really matter because they've got, you know, hundred thousand dollar devices that they plug your phone into if they want to slurp it. Yep. But Jason also writes in, hey, Grump, here's a great holiday gift for family and friends to keep them safe when using phone charging stations or random USB charging plugs out in the wild. And this is the Porta Pow third generation USB data blocker, black pack of five over at Amazon. And he says, does what it says on the tin. Keep up the great work and stay grumpy. Cheers. So this is one of those things where it'll allow the juice through, but no data. Right. So it's 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 kind of like a phone condom. Yes. So if you're gonna go out if you're gonna go out and have, you know, dirty, nasty phone charging sex, then you wanna you wanna wrap wrap it. Wrap that cable. Wrap that with a porta pow. (laughs) Peter writes in, yes, Nest is effing dumb. However, you can just set a schedule and not have it try to learn your routines, which is indeed effing dumb. 
Also equally dumb is the Home Away Assist on NES, which, despite two sessions with support, still does not recognize when I'm away and happily adheres to the set schedule, running the heat even when I'm gone for days. Along the same lines, Tesla just introduced a new feature to let you schedule charging and warming the car. It has two options, every day of the week or weekdays. So if yours is any different, too bad. It has a smart preconditioning feature for years, and by most accounts, never ever came close to working, even with drivers who worked a regular 9 to 5 Monday through Friday schedule. It's kind of nice to know that everybody is having the same problems that we have, Jason. Yeah, I don't know why these engineers can't figure this stuff out that people have different schedules. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of stupid, especially if you're at Tesla. Or with all this machine learning that's out there, this is relatively simple stuff. Yeah, seriously. Like, where's the AI? You know, I could probably write a script in Perl to do this. <laughs> yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> I could even write it in JavaScript, the language of the devil. That's right. Brett writes in, Dear G Squared, I'm currently a 1099 worker and I work consistently and hard every single day. I'm not a rideshare driver, but do other things via an app called Wanalo. I do this because it provides consistent and flexible work to be able to be with my son and follow my passions as a podcaster and, of course, pay the bills. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the new bill, AB5, that's going to reclassify folks like myself, 1099 workers. And, of course, the GOG spin on the law itself. Good, bad, or indifferent. Cheers to the best out there. Well, thank you very much, Brett. And um, the AB5 bill is the one that we've talked about in the past. It's a new California law coming into uh, coming into play that Uber and Lyft hate that classify workers as independent contractors rather than employees, blah, blah, blah. Um, what do you think, Brian? Um, well, I'm I'm for these laws, actually. I, I understand that there are limited case scenarios where it may not work out so well, and that could be in Brett's case. But overall, we're, we've just seen these the, – the gig economy is destroying workers' rights. You don't get minimum wage laws. You don't get sick leave. You don't get unemployment. You don't get workers' compensation. You don't get anything as an independent contractor. And some of these people are working 40, 50 hours. They are full-time people. Right. So I could see there being like, you know, if, if you do – 20 hours a week, then you don't get classified that way. But if you're doing anything over than that, you're an employee, damn it. Yeah, seriously. And uh, pro tip, Brett, go get an S-Corp or a C-Corp and run your business out of your corporation. It'll help you with expenses and let you keep a little bit more of your money. And over at iTunes, we have a five-star review from Ian Bacow from Poland. Best tech show. I found this podcast through Jordan Harbinger show. When there's something going on in the tech industry, I can't wait to hear what GOG have to say, and they always deliver. I appreciate the beautiful sound quality, especially because English is not my first language, and it's a great opportunity to learn and have fun. Stay grumpy. Thank you, Ian Bacow, and we apologize for this episode. We're having all kinds of problems, so it probably sounds like shit. Well, it'll sound good, but it, it's just going to be an editing nightmare. But thank you very much. And Kentamon over in the U.S. says five stars. The dudes, not that old, but smart grumpy. I'm pushing 50. I'm old enough. My legs don't work anymore. Shit's falling off. Fuck it. I'm old. I'm old in the meat. That's it. <laughs> and another five star rating from Skirt. S-R-Q-T. I love their ads. I actually had to reinstall Apple Podcasts just to leave this review, but seriously, screw that guy who left the one-star review because the ads were an insult. Not only am I happy to listen to some ads to support the great content that is provided for free twice a week, but some of the ads have turned me on to some amazing services. My wife and I both use privacy for all our online shopping. I discovered the show a couple of months ago, and now I never miss an episode. And once we are past the money pit that is the holidays, I plan to start donating to the Patreon or PayPal, as well as continuing to listen to the top quality ads. Thank you. Thank you very much, Squirt. I think it's Squirt. Something like that. I don't know. 
And uh, welcome to Open Mic Podcast, writes in five stars. Where do I begin? Love these guys to the depths. They say what I'm thinking and are funny to boot. This is a guaranteed soundtrack on my daily commute to the Napa Valley. Keep it coming, gents. We will. And you stay safe up there with the fires and everything. You guys got it worse than we do down here. That's right. Uh, another five-star rating from Co Teddy Bear. Great grumpiness. Love these guys. Love the banter between them. I always put them at the top of the list when the show arrives. Security Ha is one of my faves, as is at the library. I've gotten some great suggestions, and I've even tried some they stated weren't good, and they were right. <laughs> well, we're right. Don't do that again. <laughs> Dave Bittner is a great addition to Security Ha. Just got back from vacation and had five episodes to listen to. Score. P.S. I had written a five-star Apple podcast review a couple of years ago, but it's allowing me to write one now. Do the reviews only last a certain amount of time? If so, let us know. I'll be glad to periodically re-review you guys. They don't expire. You can actually see all your reviews from your Apple account. If you use Catalina, you can get to your account using the Music app to see all your ratings and reviews. And older OSs can still use iTunes. It's under account-viewmyaccount on both. Uh, so when you write a new review, it just overwrites the old review. Ah, there you go. And thank you for that tip. I was like, where the hell is all the review stuff in the podcast app? Now I know I have to go through the stupid music app to get to it. Makes total sense. Yeah, I had to figure that out before I replied to this. So I figured it out this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and Cheesic23 writes in five stars. Great stuff. I wish I'd found this podcast sooner. The guys are great. The episodes are very educational and informative. Keep up the great work. Snarky comment. And we're still rolling out the back episodes in the feed uh, since he didn't find this sooner and maybe want to go back and listen to some of the oldies. Uh, it should be back up to the full archive soon. You can't get to them all in Apple Podcasts anyway because Apple has this stupid limit of 300 episodes. Uh, but other apps like Overcast do not have that limit. Once we get the first bill for the new podcast hosts, I'll have a better idea on how that's going to play out or if I just have to go get a new credit card to pay for this shit. So great. Hopefully we'll be back up to the full the full list soon and uh, that'll all sort itself out. All right. If you want your question or comment right on the show, head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five-star and snarky review or apparently use the music app now. Closing shout outs! Uh, to all of our American friends and listeners, happy Thanksgiving. To all of our other friends and listeners, happy Thursday. Right. And we do not have a show for the end of the week. So there's no Saturday show. And on Tuesday or on Wednesday, I forget the days of the week, uh, we're going to have a special show, hopefully, that uh, we interview a new contributor to the show. So that is pending corporate approval <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so uh, we'll, let, we'll let you know how that goes, because Brian is going to be traveling for the holidays and will not be back in time to do a show. So we had a friend step in. So until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever. If you don't like Patreon but still want to support the show, you can give a one-time or recurring donation by just going to GOG.show and clicking that PayPal button. We're loving everybody that's given us eight bucks a month. A buck a show. It's fantastic. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Your support really keeps us going, and we really appreciate it. Show notes for the episodes are at GOG.show slash 396. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. From somebody who had an unknown virus, stay hydrated and grumpy. Yoda baby do to do to do Yoda baby do to do to do baby Yoda do to do to do baby Yoda
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.